In this episode, did British privateers invent the mojito? We investigate the historic origins of Cuba's famous cocktail. Plus, has the Havana bar scene rewritten mojito history to make more money? Welcome to The Dish, the show that uncovers the stories behind the world's most famous dishes. We are your hosts, Tomo and Megzi from foodfuntravel.com. Join us and expert guests for tasty facts, foodie secrets, and more. All right, welcome to another episode of The Dish. This is part one of our Cuban cocktails episode. We are talking about two of the most famous cocktails that have come out of Cuba, the mojito and the daiquiri. Mm, yum, 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 yum. Which yum, is yum, your yum, favorite? Yum, yum, yum. Mojito. Ah, I see. Mine's the daiquiri, although, to be fair, it only became my favorite after drinking a daiquiri at a specific restaurant. <laughs> I remember that day. In Cuba, which was amazing i never tasted anything like it we just kept ordering more and more because we're like if we go we're never going to come back to this restaurant again so we just need to make the most of being here right now yeah we had plans for that afternoon <laughs> and then never happened. we after drinking that daiquiri i went i can't leave here without having more of these <laughs> It was like a dollar fifty for a daiquiri, and it's they the were best. very good. And then every round that came out, I think we had three or four each. <laughs> they yep. every single one was consistently fantastic. Very impressed. I think we were almost like, okay, if, if the next one comes out and it's crap, then we're leaving. And then it wasn't. <laughs> we're like, well, looks like we're staying. So I'm sure we'll list that restaurant. It will be listed in the show notes for this episode at foodfuntravel.com slash Cuban drinks, where you can read up on the two cocktails we'll be discussing split over this episode and the next one, as well as find out about a whole bunch of other Cuban cocktails and even some of their non-alcoholic beverages as well. So let's start with the mojito. Now, this uh, sweet, sour, and herbal cocktail has definitely become a world-famous drink. It's made with rum, lime, cane sugar, and it's topped with mint that has been muddled inside to get all the flavor out, and soda water. Occasionally, some other ingredients too, but those are like the classic ones. Which is interesting, because I hate soda water. Yeah, but once but it's I mixed- But I like a mojito. Well, it's mixed with quite a lot of sugar. So basically, instead of soda water, you're drinking Sprite. Yeah, so I'm okay with that. Yeah. yeah. So, who invented it? That's the question. Now, Hemingway. For- <laughs> Hemingway. <laughs> That's going to be my answer to everything in this episode. <laughs> There's a lot of Hemingway in this episode, just to warn you guys. And also to let you know that uh, if you want to support us, of course, go to foodfuntravel.com slash extras, where you can become a patron of the show, you get bonus episodes, and it helps us make more episodes. Exactly. Hemingway needed help to support his drinking habits, as do we. He wrote books. Yep. We're making podcasts. And he sold books, but we don't really sell podcasts, which is why we need you to patronize the show. Pretty please. If you could. Or at least, at least leave us a five-star review or tell your friends about the show. Yeah. Foodfuntravel.com slash the dish or Even just your search. Mom. Tell your mum. Yeah, maybe your mum will like it. I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's history and food and stuff. We I think mums like words, that, right? Much. Hey, who knows? Foodfuntravel.com slash the dish. You can find our main homepage there or just search the dish food podcast on pretty much any platform for podcasts. Download all our episodes. Leave us some reviews. It really helps. 
All right. So who invented the mojito? Well, for most tourists who visit Cuba, the infamous, I'm going to say infamous, I think it's infamous, uh, Boraguita del Medio bar in Old Havana, they may claim to have invented the mojito. And even that it was one of Ernest Hemingway's top tipples. He enjoyed a mojito, apparently, according to them. Literally, if you walk past this bar today, you can't get in it for all the tourists that are in there like, I'm in Hemingway's bar. There is even- oh, Did we even get it? We didn't even drink there because it was so busy all the time with tourists. We just took photos outside we're like, of yeah, we're all good. of the people inside and went, yep. no, thank you. We'll, we've had lots of mojitos. We don't need to drink in here. What a shame. But apparently there's, there's actually an inscription famously, not apparently, there is definitely there is. because it is their most important selling point is there is an inscription on butcher's paper that has been framed that apparently is the signature and description from Ernest Hemingway saying that he loves the mojitos there. And that is one of the reasons they've become one of the most popular bars. However, most scholars who actually have studied Hemingway, people who have written biographies on him, believe the graffiti is just a forgery and that Hemingway was definitely a fan of the more sour cocktails like the daiquiri and was definitely not a mojito guy. That's not to say that he didn't drink at La Bodaguita, but he was not, that was not his regular haunt. It's a place he might have drunk occasionally. Also, a top tip, if you are wanting to try those mojitos, like you might be like, oh, you didn't even try the mojitos there. You don't know if they're good. There is a sister restaurant in Playa del Carmen that you can visit and they claim to make the exact same mojitos as what they're making in Havana. We went there and actually they weren't too bad. I had a Jack Daniels mojito, which has nothing to do with the original at all, but it was quite tasty. They they did make a decent mojito, so I will give them that. But, you know, did Hemingway drink at the original place? Uh, Yeah. Probably, yeah, he did. Yeah, 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 he did. Is it his favorite drink ever? He might have been drunk when he said it was. Well, the belief is from people who've studied the handwriting that it is someone who very cleverly copied his handwriting and created a forgery. Apparently so. Which wouldn't be hard because you just got to do drunk scroll, right? Well, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He was a writer. So all most people knew of his writing was probably like typewriter. And so unless it was (laughs) typed on the wall. (laughs) Which it was not. Anyone could drunk scroll and go, yeah, I'm Hemingway. Cheers. And famously, Hemingway said that he didn't used to write drunk. He got drunk after writing, unlike other authors. I thought he's the one that said, create drunk, edit sober create but not necessarily write i don't know that's the same thing well i've read different sources about this recently and this is not what the episode is about okay sorry we're definitely talking about drinks in this episode so let's move off that tangent let's just say that la bodeguita regardless of whether you believe the butcher's paper writing was actually from hemingway or not they only opened in 1942 and now it is just saturated with cruise ship tourists and any other tourist that comes through, apparently. So, did they get that written in there to make a lot of money? For sure. Is but that the when, reason? When or did was, they really invent the mojito? Is there any sort of actual evidence, dated evidence of when the mojito was invented? Well, that's why we have a whole episode on this. Let's continue <laughs> on. Believe it or not, it's not just slightly likely, but entirely definite that there were drinks very similar to the mojito before 1942. In fact, they almost certainly were invented on the plantations 
because rum is made from sugar cane mm-hmm. and the mojito is made from sugar and rum and lime and mint. Where did they get the mint from? Well, we're going to get into that a little bit as well. Okay. But the oldest precursor to the mojito may have existed as early as the 16th century. This is oh. not a... Ni- 1942 is ridiculous to say you invented the mojito. That's where we're going here. All right. So just a couple of hundred years after the Spanish turned up. Uh, even less. 16th century is the 1500s. Oh, so yeah. So like 100 years. Within 50 to 100 years. Yeah. But let's get into this a bit more. So surprisingly, the oldest reference to this comes back to the British explorer and privateer, as in paid for pirate. If you haven't researched the history of pirating, a privateer is someone who pretends to be a pirate but is actually working for the government so that they don't start a war, but they can go off and like steal things from other countries without starting a war. Are they like the James Bond of- Yeah. It's like a pirate spy. Wow. So everyone's like, oh, well- this ship attacked us, and England's like, not one of ours, so there's no war with England. But actually, it is one of theirs, but they're paid off. So, Sir Francis Drake, very famous. Yeah, I've heard that name. Actually, yeah, he was a privateer, so the government were paying him off from England, but he was pretending to be a pirate, looting everyone, and then sending the money back to England. Dirty scoundrels. So the story goes that he wanted to land in Havana in 1586. Because we all know pirates like rum. They like rum, but they also like gold. Mm-hmm. And his intention to land in Havana was to steal all the gold. And he's not a real pirate anyway, fake pirate. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, this was the style at the time. They like stealing things. Yeah. That was the pirate style. So apparently he may have discovered or at least potentially invented, but probably more likely just discovered, a proto version of the mojito at exactly the same time in 1586. The story that is repeated across the internet, at least, is that in 1586, his men were very sick. They had dysentery, they had scurvy, and he needed to stop off in Cuba to help them recover. So some even claim that he sacked Havana at that time in order to steal stuff like gold and supplies from them. That's definitely lies. I don't know why. There's a whole bunch of internet people who have gone, oh, yeah, he sacked Havana. Absolutely no. How did he have time to do that. that if his whole crew was crook? He had a lot of time to do a lot of things. You'll be surprised. Let's oh. go. <laughs> 1586 was a busy year for Sir Francis Drake. All right. But one way or another, he did stop in Cuba. That seems to be true. And he stopped in search of remedies for his sick men. And he discovered a local plantation of workers who had made this concoction of the original rough version of rum before rum became a real spirit called Aguardiente de caña, which literally means cane sugar fire water, directly distilled from dirty cane sugar. It's the ultimate moonshine. That sounds rough as guts. And the local workers on the plantation had mixed this with lime, which of course is going to work wonders on curing your scurvy Mm -hmm. and your dysentery. And so this may have been something that really helped them out. And of course, it would have been mixed with sugar to counterbalance the horrible rough moonshine rum and all of the lime, and yeah, it came from a sugar plantation. Now, booze, sugar, and vitamin C, definitely a good health tonic back in the 16th century that was going to make some difference, and apparently this concoction had just been adapted from whatever the plantation workers were drinking, but one of Sir Francis's officers, Richard Drake, no relation, apparently, uh, he 
decided that this concoction that they had either found, stolen, or acquired, acquired from the locals, they would call this drink El Drake, which in Spanish means the dragon. And it's a little bit of play on words because Drake is sort of spelt Drake if you pronounce it in English with that spelling. It looks like Drake. And the Spanish were calling him El Drake because he, he was going around smashing up all of these different Spanish oh, ports. So it's named he after was him. actually doing very well. So like the original Mojito called the Dragon, at least from the thoughts of the crew of his ship, it's the Dragon. Yeah. That's the problem is when people document stuff, that doesn't mean it's actually a real analysis of what's going on in the world. It's <laughs> this like, is we keep we keep learning this every time we do an episode. 0.1% of people saw a document and went, oh, it's called the dragon. He must have invented it. It says he found this on an island. And it's like, nah, everyone was already doing this stuff. So who knows? Anyway, yeah, he was called the dragon because he was literally killing hundreds and hundreds of people around all these different ports around the Caribbean, causing havoc, stealing lots of gold and plundering everything. But, all right, so that's, that's the main internet story. Okay. That's something that if you, if you look around for a little bit, you're going to find most of that basic information. To actually try and confirm this story with anything beyond internet hearsay, I had to do quite a lot of digging. This took me a bit of a time. The truth may be a little bit less fanciful than the wonderful story it of always history. Is. Always is. So firstly, the earliest documentation of distilling sugarcane is from 1552 in Brazil. So actual written documentation, they were definitely making a proto-pre-rum drink out of sugarcane 1552. Somewhere Already in the colonies. colonized by the Portuguese by then? Yes. Okay. 1552, well colonized. All this colonization was going on early 16th century. At least the, the start of it was all happening already. So, I mean, this suggests for sure, considering Columbus got to Cuba in 1493, that was his first contact with Cuba. 1492, he was in Bahamas and other areas. 1493, definitely landed in Cuba with pigs, doing the Cuba thing. So yeah, by 1552, if they were making booze out of sugarcane in Brazil by 1552, pretty certain yeah, even though it's not documented, people knew how to distill, the information had been passed on, sugarcane plantations were definitely going on in that region. This has happened before Drake turned up. So we know it's very, very likely that there was some rum and there was some moonshine. Moonshine rum. It's not real rum. Pre-rum. So yeah, even though there wasn't any actual record of Cuba making this uh, at that exact time, it's almost certain they were. And yeah, this drink that I mentioned before, the Aguardiente de Caña, is going to be what they were making. They weren't making any sort of modern style rum. There's no documentation of modern-style, proper distilled rum happening until the 17th century, sort of around the 1630s. But this original version of rum was going on. Now, the timeline regarding Drake actually visiting Cuba is well documented. Oh, sorry. Every time you say Drake, I just imagine the singer. Like, his face just pops into my head. Who is Drake I don't know. Singer? I'm too old to actually know. He's, he's... <laughs> is this an Australian singer? No, he's know? not. He's, he, I don't know. He's, he's like a... He do, I don't know. I've seen him in memes and stuff. This is just showing how old I am right now. I have no idea who Drake is, but I've like, I know what he looks like. So every time you say it, his face just like pops up. Cool. Anyone out memes. there who knows where he is the, or who he is, that's fantastic. Too yeah. many memes involving him have come through my Facebook feed at some point, And I just like, just Drake's head. Don't even know what the rest of his body looks like. Just his head keeps popping into my vision. Tweet us a meme at Food Fun Travel of <laughs> Drake, because I don't know who this is. 
and uh, we'll take a look at that. 35. So old. (laughs) So old. So, Drake definitely visited Cuba. Now, I found some good sources, because a lot of this has been just random internet hearsay, but I checked out the Almanac of American Military History. Oh, that sounds interesting. is so old school that it's not even a text document. It is a PDF that you can't even... I had to read through the whole PDF because you can't even search it because it's like been photocopied in. It's been scanned in from an actual book. I mean, that doesn't prove that it's definitely true, but you'd assume the Almanac of American Military History is written by someone boring enough to have actually done their due diligence. Yeah, fair I call. hope. Yeah. I hope. But it took me ages to find this. Everything else is just hearsay. But, all right, this gives an actual account, which, of course, they would have been, any English military vessel, even a privateer, would have been doing specific journals and accounts of every detail that happened. And this is a very specific account. So on the 19th of February, 1586, Drake attacked Cartagena, Colombia. And they took Cartagena, Colombia. And there was a lot of plundering and stuff going on. And then they left. So, you know, it probably got taken back. They literally just went in to take the money. Yeah, they just took the shit and left. Yeah, Yeah. these were privateers. They weren't actually militarily organized. They were, you know, just a bunch of ships acting like pirates. So they went and stole everything and then went, "Mm, good luck, Bye. bye. So he was there for a few months. But it actually documents that he definitely left Cartagena on the 4th of May, 1586. But apparently it was because his men were really sick. So maybe north coast of Colombia, things weren't going so well, and they went, all right, let's leave, let's try and go somewhere else. Now, after that, there's no specific record in the Almanac, at least, or anywhere else that I could find that gives exact dates of where they were. But what it does say is they recorded that on the 29th of May, just a few weeks later, they tried to attack Havana, Cuba. And it also documents that on the 4th of May that they left for Cuba. He went, we're leaving for Cuba. That's it. Yeah. Didn't, nothing in between that that I found specifically, but that might be because it's a military history. And so they don't discuss other boring details, but nor does anyone else, apparently. Uh, He tried to attack Havana on the 29th of May and they fired a few cannonballs at the new military fortifications there and went, no way. There's no point trying to attack this. Havana had a solid military, like, defense set up. Like, they would. By 1577, in fact, they had built one of the best forts in the whole of the Caribbean. So he just went, nah, waste of time, not going to do this. Uh, So then he headed off to St. Augustine in Florida. And on the 6th of June is documented that they attacked St. Augustine and they they took that eventually over a few days, plundered it and then disappeared again, again. as they do. So it is almost certain at some time in May 1568 that they would have landed somewhere on Cuba because there's not, apart from Jamaica, there's not a lot of land between Cartagena and Cuba as the crow flies. There's not a lot of places to stop. So if the men were sick and they left because the men were sick, they wanted to stop somewhere and it would have probably been Cuba. Obviously not Havana. Some sources say they stopped in Havana to get supplies. It's like, no, they didn't. It was a Spanish port. They tried to attack it. No chance. No way in hell. Not going to happen. Heavily fortified. So they probably landed somewhere on the Cuban coast, which makes a lot of sense that then they would be close to one of the plantations and they picked up some supplies and they picked up some medicine and they tried to fix up the men before. By the 6th of June, they were obviously fighting fit. So they obviously got healthy again. I mean, scurvy is pretty easy to fix. You drink some vitamin C and you're ready. ready So, I mean, yeah, they almost certainly landed on Cuba. It seems very likely given the timeline. And I mean, it totally makes sense. Anywhere but Havana, they could definitely just, Land yeah, and 
There wasn't loads of different fortifications no, at that point. No, certainly not. Havana but, was just a great port. Yeah. That's why they fortified it. Still is. So did they discover or invent the health tonic? Well, yeah, it's possible that they discovered it, but it seems likely that the locals were already making some sort of drink. Yeah, they're the first to document it. That's about it. And I couldn't find any original documents that actually sort of explain that they invented it. It's more likely they just landed and went, Oi, what do you got? What's that? Give us that. We want that. What's going to make you healthy? So, yeah, they went and they got some lime-based stuff with booze in and went, yeah, that'll work. So that's the, that's the historic story. Sometime between when Drake was there and 1942, when mojitos became massively popular in central Havana, sometime in between that point, there was plenty of mojito-like drinks flowing around. All of the locals were drinking that on the plantations already. But you haven't answered my question. I'm about to answer your question. Okay. What is the mint about? Yes. What is the mint about? Because that's a long time. So 15-something to 1942 is quite a ways away. Like this Almost be- 400 years of drinking mojitos. Exactly. So when did the – because I think the mint in particular, the muddling of the mint is what makes it sing. Well, firstly, it seems possible that they were already putting mint in the drink at the point because – in 1586, it was not just considered to be a boozy drink to have a fun time. It was considered a health tonic, which made sailors better, made them healthier because of vitamin C, really. But there are definitely people who believe that the mint was already involved. Wait, in I remember when we were in Cuba, we weren't having mint that you would expect from Morocco. You're already ruining the surprise. Oh, I just remember then. Yeah. All right. That's the surprise. It's not. Mint. It's mint in certain cultures, but in Cuba it's not mint. But I'm going to get into that. Okay. So for the modern mojito, it's certainly descended from those original plantation drinks, and its popularity did seem to explode around the 1950s near Havana, especially along Playa La Concha, which was a very popular beach, still is a popular beach, where bartenders at that time were turning the making of mojitos into a show. So they're doing flair to an extent. I love a bit of flair. A really early version of flair where they were just making mojitos in like a production line with loads of different guys. They were throwing the glasses around, things like that. And it turned it into a fun event. Now, La Boraguita del Medio Bar, which I mentioned right at the start, they may have started popularizing the mojito back in 1942 when they opened. And then things went a little crazy after that. I don't really think they can take credit for inventing the mojito when it's had 500 years of history. Yeah, not likely. Or 400 years of history, at least. Now, yes, what is the real secret to making a very good traditional Cuban mojito? Everyone has their preferences, of course, but there's some very important considerations. And yeah, mint is the wrong ingredient. The actual ingredient you want is yerba buena which is a local mint-style herb that grows on Cuba, and it's a lot less sweet than traditional mint. And what you actually need to do is you muddle the stalks, not the leaves. So if you go into a bar where you've just got this massive glass full of leaves, they have so, messed So, so, so wrong. Like, it might still taste okay, but it doesn't have the herbal punch that you get when you muddle just the stalks. And what they seem to do in Cuba, if they're doing it properly, which not everyone does, a lot of tourist restaurants do not. But when you go somewhere that really cares about their mojito, you see them really muddle just the stalks and it brings out this sort of pinky purpley color. 
out of the bottom of the stalks because the stalks are not green. They are sort of like a purple yeah. color. So if you're getting like a, a lemony, limey kind of mojito full of leaves, that ain't done right. Yeah. Send it back. So yeah, which it, is, it, it should be that pinky, pinky sort of color. There pink should be some pink coming out of the yeah. stalks. And yes, they do throw some leaves in, but that's mainly for color and look rather than for the flavor of the actual leaves. And so, yeah, the yerba buena is the way to go, not the mint. Now, also something I really liked is that they can also add a little, just a little couple of spots of Angostura bitters. Oh, you were crazy I about love that. this. Not everyone loves that, but I've, I think that's a really good addition. So some, of me, some mojitos have that, some mojitos don't have that. Depends on your preference. And I think it balances it out. It's like the sweet and bitters. It's, it's nice. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it works really well. And what you've got to remember, big thing about Cuba, unlike in the US and other countries, if your mojito is not strong enough, you just say to the staff, more rum, please. They pour more rum in. They don't charge you extra. No. That's it. That's the rule. It's like the rule of bartending. It's like if they haven't made it perfect for you first time, then it is their duty to make it the way that you want it. And they will keep pouring the rum into it until you are satisfied. Yep. It does mean you can spend two bucks on a mojito. And then two more mojitos and then walk home in a complete stupor. <laughs> it can get a little insane, but it's definitely an option. It's quite crazy how much extra rum they'll pour in and they'll just keep pouring it in because the rum there is so cheap. Yeah. For our top choices of places to have mojitos in Havana, then please make sure you check out the full show notes at foodfuntravel.com slash Cuban drinks. Yeah, we definitely took our time going around a lot of different places, trying a lot of different mojitos because we care. <laughs> yeah, science. We care about quality control. We did it for you. Yeah, <laughs> did it all for you. We, we didn't care. We just were like, we have to drink more <laughs> mojitos for our audience. Very important. That's it for mojitos. But coming up in the next Cuban Drinks episode, we're talking daiquiris. Were these also an historic plantation drink? Or were they an early 20th century USA Cuban fusion invention? Tune in next week, or the episode might already be out, so check the feed right now. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please make sure you subscribe on iTunes or wherever you listen, and tell your friends about it. The more listeners we have and the more people we have subscribe, the better we do in the rankings, and the more likely it is we're going to keep making more episodes of The Dish. Thanks for listening to The Dish. Don't forget to subscribe and keep this podcast on the air by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you listen. Also, come join our foodie community on Facebook in the Food Worth Travelling For Facebook group. Catch you next time.